Presented by T-Mobile, the official wireless partner of Odyssey Sports. With an awesome network and great savings, there's never been a better time to join T-Mobile. Visit your neighborhood store to make the switch today. Old man winter here. If I had it my way, it would stay winter all year long. Short days, wind chill, black ice and a good polar vortex. (laughs) Heaven! Wait, is it getting warm in here? Your cold snap is over, old man winter. Spring has arrived. Spring. Spring is here, which means it's the perfect time to get away in the Hyundai you've always wanted. Visit the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event, where you can get great deals on all of our award-winning Hyundai models, like the tech-filled Tucson and Kona, as well as the spacious Palisade. Enjoy wherever you go with the peace of mind that comes with America's best warranty and three years or 36,000 miles of complimentary maintenance. But hurry in. These deals won't last. Add more joy to your journey at the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Now get 0% APR or up to 1500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details. This is the Skate Podcast on WEEI.com. Bobby Orr, behind the net, the status, and the Bobby Orr! For the first time in 39 years... The Boston Bruins have won the Stanley Cup. Talking Bruins and NHL. Sure, old-time hockey. Like Eddie Shore. Yeah. With writer and producer Brian DeFelice. Brian DeFelice is an emerging talent. Bridget Prue. Yeah, he's a little bit on the hot seat. Burn him! And WEEI.com Bruins writer Scott McLaughlin. Oh, great Scott. Lace him up for some bees talk right now. I'm a damn It's the Skate Pod on WEEI. Welcome into episode 169 of the Skate Podcast. I'm Brian DeFelice, joined by Bridget Pru and Scott McLaughlin. Bruins defeat the Sabres tonight at the Garden 7-1. They become the fastest team in NHL history. The 100, what, 10-year history of the NHL? 100, is it longer than that, guys? Uh, that sounds about right. Um, I, don't, I don't know exactly how long it is. To, Let's just to, go I, over a hundred years. It, over a hundred years. Um, so the fastest team in over a hundred years to uh, get to a hundred points, one hundred one points, uh, sixty-one games, I believe it is. Yeah, I don't think they played enough games to get to a hundred points way back then. So you know, oh, well, Scott, come on. There, but... Scott, come on, we're not gonna. <laughs> hey, we don't tell all the facts. We just say what we need to say. <laughs> um, and and also like something that 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 Bruins fans picked up on a lot post game was the Bruins' goal differential at this point in the season, too. So the, they have 101 points in the year, and their goal differential is is plus 103. I mean, this team is just – it's it really is remarkable what they've done all year. Um, but as much as I want to talk about the Buffalo Sabres tonight, there's some more important things to talk about with this Bruins team. I mean, what a, what a wild start to – to Thursday morning for, for Bruins Nation and, and in, the, in the NHL, really. So it starts off with the news that the Bruins uh, acquired Tyler Bertuzzi from the Detroit Red Wings, and we'll talk about him as well. Um, then the news broke that they extended David Pasternak. Finally, finally, David Pasternak is locked up long-term for the next eight years in Boston at uh, an annual value, uh, value of like $11.25 million, I think, a year. Yep. And obviously the final two dominoes to fall is that Taylor Hall is on long-term IR. Nick Foligno is on IR. And in the Sabres game, Brad Marchand, while I don't think it's anything too serious, did leave the game as well with a lower body injury. So there's a lot to kind of digest and go over, but I guess those are just the quick spark notes. And now I'm going to throw it to you guys for your opening takes. Yeah, I mean, I'll start with the with the Marchand injury, which – it, you know, initially, like, we didn't even know what happened. And then all of a sudden you notice he leaves the bench late in the second period. Uh, didn't have a shift for almost the final six minutes, the final 5.55 of the period. And then, you know, Nesson during the intermission shows a hit uh, where he gets hit by Ilya Lubushkin and kind of crumples awkwardly into the boards. Um and then there's another play that he ends up getting a matching penalty on where he gets tangled up with, uh, why am I blanking on who that was? Oh, uh, Peyton Krebs. 
and goes down a little awkwardly in that one as well. And then he takes one regular shift after that, and that's it for the night. Bruins rule him out like early in the second intermission, and you're thinking like, well, that's not good. I mean, even Felino the other night, they didn't officially rule him out of the game. They're just unlikely to return. So you get that quick rule out, and you're kind of thinking the worst, especially with Hall and Felino already out. Now it's a third left wing, you know, obviously a crucial member of the team. Um, but yeah, Jim Montgomery did say after the game that, uh, you know, they don't know for sure. Obviously there's going to be more testing tomorrow, but he thinks it's not anything serious. Now I I would just point out that he also didn't think Taylor Halls was anything serious. So, and that's the information we were rolling with, especially on our last podcast. Um, but it's always, you always have to question that when a guy gets sent home from a road trip, but um, it turned out to be worse. And and Scott and I went back and watched the the last period of um, the the Vancouver game, which is the game that he was supposedly injured in, and we didn't see anything. He played up until the end of the game. He didn't play in the last three minutes, but on we watched all of his last shifts and there was just nothing discernible there that you could see. Um, and he w- seemed to be skating fine. Um, Brian being the detective on Twitter was uh, posting like how ha- posted a picture of how happy hall was celebrating with old Mark uh, after the game, after the goalie goal. Um, it was just so it's, it's hard to guess what it might be because you don't see the actual contact there. But um, when Montgomery talked this morning, he said both Felino and Hall, it, you know, he, he had very negative uh, news about it. And I think, correct me if I'm wrong, Scott, he said it's not looking good or something like that um, to that effect, which I thought was kind of interesting because I feel like I haven't heard him say anything like that yet this season. Yeah. And, and I mean, I guess like probably even more importantly than Montgomery is Don Sweeney said it was, disappointing news and then said um you know they didn't expect either one back before the playoffs so you know there is no timetable there hall and felino are both we're actually both still like undergoing some evaluation on thursday um but yeah it sounds like you know that like that those are pretty long-term injury if it's if they're real now we know there's the chance that like they're playing at coy and it's salary cap manipulation especially with hall on long-term ir like there's always that chance and they're never going to give any hint that that's what they're doing but i don't know i mean sweeney sounded like someone who like legitimately didn't know exactly when they're going to be back um so yeah so you know we're going to get into that more obviously that was the impetus behind now they might have been looking for someone like a tyler bertuzzi anyways um you know we we had talked about that. Like if you really want to get greedy, you know, maybe another score who could play in the third line or something. Um, but those two being out longer term definitely provided like the motivation to go out and get a Tyler Bertuzzi. What Bridget was alluding to earlier was uh, with, with my detective work, uh, it was kind of tongue in cheek, but like I, I did notice like the, the picture of after Omar's goal, I mean, Taylor Hall is grinning ear to ear. Uh, it just doesn't look like somebody who had suffered a potential season-ending injury. Now, obviously, things can happen overnight and whatnot. I just – I don't know. I, I feel like there's a little bit of gamesmanship going on here with the Bruins. I, I'm not saying that Felino and Hall aren't legitimately hurt and whatnot and that they could benefit from maybe three or four weeks off and, and maybe need some of that and maybe all of it. But I don't know. I I just I have a I have a tough time believing that 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 they're not going to be playing in the playoffs. Um, yeah, and I I would have been it would have made more sense to me if it was Felino that was the one that had the serious injury based on like us actually seeing um, a hit to his leg and kind of knowing what happened, whereas the Hall stuff was much less obvious. Which you know sometimes can be uh, longer term. When somebody, when you don't see contact and somebody gets hurt, sometimes that that could mean you, you really tweak something or pulled something. And sometimes those are those are the red flag injuries, honestly. But uh, 
I, I don't know. I, I don't want to speculate too much. I just I feel like that those two guys will be back in the fold at some point, um, and that when they are, hopefully everybody else remains healthy. And, and we've noticed tonight with Marshan's injury. And again, I I wasn't. Everybody was everybody was freaking out about that online just because I think people were sensitive to the to the Felino and Hall news earlier today. But I really. If I'm the Bruins, if anybody tweaks anything over the course of a game at this stage in the season, somebody of that magnitude like Marshan, what's the benefit of keeping him in there? Just take him out um, and just precautionary measures. But I guess let's just let's let's talk about Tyler Bertuzzi because yeah, Scott, we, you did mention like that could be a possibility of going out and grabbing, grabbing somebody like that. Um, we also mentioned like James Van Riemsdyk or you know it's just some somebody we didn't really know. But Tyler Bertuzzi, like, yeah, if this team is healthy, he might be on the third line. But he's a, he's a, he's he's a first line left wing in, in Detroit. Is he a first line left wing on every all thirty two teams? No, but half of them probably. I mean, he's he's certainly a bona fide top six guy, and just what he brings. Like you added Hathaway recently. You have Marshan on the team already. You have Trent Frederick. You have Felino when he's healthy. Uh, you know, AJ Greer, some other guys, but like Tyler Bertuzzi, he's an absolute rat. And, and I mean that in a, in, a, in, a, in a complimentary way, but he can also score. Like th- I just, again, chalk it up to the Orloff signing, like about w- when I'm talking about a guy, I just didn't think the Bruins was going to be a Boston Bruin this year. Like think like who would have thought, like, honestly, like, this time last year, I remember we were talking about the Bruins going into the deadline and being like, you know, they're going to grab, Ricard Raquel, or are they going to grab Max Domi or whomever? Like to think that a year a year later that they would have Lindholm, Orlov, Tyler Bertuzzi. Like, like wh- what is this team that we're looking at? It doesn't even look like the Bruins. It's like a it's like an all star team. I know, and and yet, like they've done all this without seriously disrupting the chemistry. Like you've still only removed Craig Smith, so it's not like. Oh, I can't believe they're getting, you know, yeah, they're getting big names like Gorlov and Bertuzzi, but look what's going out. It's like, it's just picks. Who, you know, who cares? Like, they're all in for this year. Yeah, I understand. Like, they have one pick in the first two rounds over the next three drafts. Like, okay, I, I get it. But deal with that later. You're all in for this season. And by the way, you didn't trade away either of your top two prospects. In fact, you haven't traded away any prospects. So, um, yeah, it's crazy. You know, Bertuzzi, it, it's so weird. Like, it, the Red Wings were making this push to potentially make the playoffs. And I guess they still could. But then all of a sudden, like, now they're selling pieces off. They, you know, Philip Ronick goes to Vancouver. And now, you know, Bertuzzi was a pending free agent that they probably weren't going to be able to re-sign, especially after the Dylan Larkin extension. But still, it's like, okay, I felt like for that group, like making a push for a playoff would have been beneficial. And now it seems like they're, they're just selling, which is, it's kind of just an odd strategy from them. Um, But yeah, I mean, Bertuzzi, that's like you said, that's a legit score. It's someone who had 62 points in 68 games last year, 30 goals. Uh, You know, this year, I know only four goals, 10 assists in 29 games. Um, He's had two different hand injuries from blocking shots. So that, you know, I think affected him. And obviously as, as a score, as a playmaker, like your hands are important. So if you're coming back and it takes a while to get back up to speed, I think you can write off a few games for that. Um, he's also shooting only like six and a half percent in the last four years. He's been over. 16% every season. So that's going to come back. And again, that would be part of dealing with hand injuries is, you know, your shot's not as good. So as long as he's healthy and, you know, all indications are like he is healthy and recovered now. So I would expect that shooting percentage to go up. And I think, you know, you'll see an impact scorer who probably ultimately slots in on the third line. Um, could actually be on the first line if Martian doesn't play Saturday. Like I could see them just saying, "All right, here you go. You're with uh, you're with Bergeron and DeBrus for your first game. Have fun." 
Yeah, a few things about the Bertuzzi edition. Um, we did have a question last podcast about, um, you know, will the Bruins add more? Will they mess with long-term IR? We kind of, like, we answered it, but then today, obviously, getting the actual look at how it does play out when you when you end up losing a guy and, and you wonder – do they add Bertuzzi if those guys are, you know, are healthy or is this a move that you only make when you lose Taylor Hall or you lose both um, Taylor Hall and Nick Foligno. But um, Montgomery had some really nice words to say about like the confidence in Sweeney after this deadline and, and the moves that he's been able to make. And he said, um, I don't think Don Sweeney gets enough credit. You don't have a team that wins consistently unless you're general manager has built a great team and he has. And then he also said after that, when someone asked him a follow-up question, he said, we've got great drafted players. We've got, we've got great traded players and we've had homegrown players that have been here for a long time that love being Bruins. It speaks volumes as to what he he's built here. So whereas at certain points in the season with the Mitchell Miller stuff, he was getting a lot of criticism it's impossible to say that he hasn't made this team better over the past few seasons um, to the point that they're at right now where everybody is completely bought in. Um, And I don't have any criticism for what he's done in terms of moves um, at the deadline at at all. It's, it's been incredible. I mean, as time goes on that Mitchell Miller stuff, just, it, it was just such a boneheaded situation i i i honest to god don't know what they what they were thinking but he in my mind is a lock for for gm of the year this year and that's to be to for me to be saying that while knowing the mitchell miller saga took place tells you just how how good of a job i believe he's done the last couple of years with this roster now understand that obviously bergeron and Krejci coming back at their discounts is a huge reason for that but again, you know, Sweeney played the played the cards that he was that he was dealt, and it's what it is. Scott, you see, like, like throw throw their names on that trophy with him, like Don Sweeney parentheses with Patrice Bergeron, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> David Krejci. Yeah, I mean, it, yeah, it's true. I mean, it's true, right? Like, I mean, but it's 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 one of those situations where it's like, you know, Don Don was the GM the entire time where the Bruins organization should have been focusing on maybe trying to draft like some future potential number one and number two centers. I mean, but again, they've been so good for so long. Like it, they haven't had the high draft picks. Like it's let's, I, I didn't want to get into that stuff. He's done a great job. Um, he really has the, even more importantly, he extended Pasternak <laughs> like that, like Bertuzzi aside, like trade deadline moves aside. This is the biggest possible news of the day. Um, it's something we've been waiting for the whole year. It is, you know, I don't want to skip out and like just go right to the pasta stuff. But if we're staying on the topic of Don Sweeney, one of the reasons why this team has been so good is because they've been able to extend and keep their best players Bruins. Um, So he does that with Pasternak. Yeah. And oh, by the way, Dmitry Orlov had three more points as well. And Garnet Hathaway had an assist Thursday night. So, yeah, just a. Zaka scored again three yeah, games. Yeah, really, in really great day for for Don Sweeney. Um, I saw him a few times. He was he's definitely walking walking with his chest held held out today. <laughs> real real quick quick one thing I I, I wanted to say though I kind of lost my train of thought but like um, a lot a lot can be made about the Bruins not having a first round draft pick until twenty twenty five and and all the draft collateral they've given up they've given up the last couple of years at the trade deadline. Um, and so people are concerned about the future of this team, but, but I just want to, I just want to say, like, I've been thinking about this a lot and with the extension to Pavel Zaka, like in my opinion, Pavel Zaka is ready to, um, you know, take over for David Krejci as a second line center as soon as next year, if, if need be. And like this team is, I think they're going to be fine. They're going to be competitive. The biggest concern this whole time outside of the passionate situation was like, What's the future at center? Well, I think they've addressed number two center in Zaka. They just need to figure out who's going to replace Bergeron. And that might not even be next year or the year after. And if it is, you're only talking replacing, albeit a phenomenal center, but you're talking about what, like, like one, 
one player as opposed to a number one and number two center. Locking up Zaka as your future number two center, in my opinion, they just got to figure out the number one guy after Bergeron. Everything else in this roster, I think, is set for for beyond this year. And I just wanted to say that real quick because people are some people are upset about the the draft collateral going, but like it's not it's really not that big of a deal in my opinion. Yeah, and there's you know they're they're going to take hits other places. Like their depth next season is not going to be anything close to what it was this year because. They're just not gonna have the money. Like they, with the Pasternak extension now kicking in, they have under eleven million dollars in projected cap space, and they have eight unrestricted free agents and two restricted free agents. Like they're gonna lose some guys. They're not gonna. Yeah, and they have. They're rental. not gonna be able to re-sign all three guys that they just traded for. They might extend one of them, maybe two. But yeah, like th- there's gonna be tough roster decisions in next year's team. Certainly won't be as deep, um, but like again, that's something you deal with this summer and try to figure out then. Yeah, um, and, and that doesn't change your goalie situation. You still have a great goalie situation. <laughs> it might change your depth which, at, at like at D. Um, because well, which, which, by the way, like your goalie situation could potentially be what gets you your number one center if and when you have to do that. Like you, you know, maybe I know like everyone. You know, some people had the hot take of like trading a goalie now, which was always insane. But going forward, like that, that's on the table. That absolutely, especially if, say, Brandon Bussey is NHL ready. But, anyways, that's getting way too far ahead for now. Don Sweeney's job for this year was to do everything possible to give this team the best chance to win the Stanley Cup. And I think unquestionably, he has done that. He has managed to add to what was already the best roster in the NHL and, you know, add guys who play playoff style, who in Orlov's case have, has won a Stanley Cup. Um, yeah, like that. Nat, Brad Martian said it today, you know, before the game, before he got hurt, like they did their job. Now we have to do ours. And, and that's exactly it. Like everything from here on out is is up to the players. Yo, Trey. Kevin, what's up, man? You know, I've been thinking, what would have happened if the NBA never vetoes the Chris Paul trade to the Lakers and we get CP3 in the same backcourt as Kobe in L.A.? Well, you get a very happy Jack Nicholson, for sure. And the Lakers probably win a bunch more championships. CP3 finally gets a ring or two or three. And the Kardashian empire is forever altered. What did you just say? Hey, everybody, I'm Trey Wingo. And I'm Kevin Frazier, and we're teaming up on a new weekly sports podcast from Wondery Alternate Routes. As former sports center anchors and current sports obsessives we're consumed by all the what if questions that make being a sports fan so excruciatingly fun if you're like us then you also live and die on the fallout from every drop pass or play call each week on alternate routes we'll take a flashpoint in sports break down what actually happened then explore every alternate scenario and the ripple effects it would have caused follow alternate routes on the wondery app or wherever you get your podcasts you can listen early and ad free right now by joining wondery plus yeah, and, and the biggest thing on his checklist from the beginning of the season was the Pasternak extension. Um, if you guys want to kind of get into that a little bit, eight years, so he's going to be here for a long time. Um, eight years, $11.25 million a year, which I do want to give Keith credit. I know we've talked about this before. Keith had this a while ago that the price had gone up to 11.25 based on his source. And that's what it ends up being. So I just want to give him credit um, because, you know, that was something he found out that was pushed back on a little bit by, by other reporters or by, I believe JP Barry himself said something about the first Keith report, but um, either way, I don't like eight years, 11 million would have been ideal for the Bruins, but there's no reason why you don't go to 11.25. Um, it's really not that big of a difference. Um, and something, I believe you asked this, Scott, um, this morning when Pasenak spoke about the contract extension, you asked, did the picture around what this team could look like in the future factor into your decision? And he said, no, because I believe that Don Sweeney is going to put together a good team and basically that there's not going to be that much drop off um is not going to be a rebuild essentially 
Yeah. And, and you know, obviously me, you know, doesn't necessarily mean he's 100% telling the truth. Like it's, it's absolutely possible that they talked about that, like as part of the many conversations they've had. Um, but I do think it's probably fair to say like Pasternak wasn't making any demands or like saying like, you have to go and get this guy or like, we have to trade for it. Like he wasn't doing that, but I'm, I'm sure it came up in conversation of like, Hey, you know, like we're not going to go into like a full rebuild. Right. And Sweeney, I think can accurately tell him like, no, we're not because when you have Pasternak and McAvoy and Lindholm locked up long-term and Martian still with a few years left and, Taylor Hall and the goaltending situation, like that's not a rebuilding team to Brian's point. Like that's, mm-hmm. that's a team that might need some work, might need one big piece, but at the very least, it's still going to be competitive. It's still going to be, you know, probably in the playoffs at the very least competing for a playoff spot. What do you think about the timing of this? Um, because I know, I know, like we just said, he answered, and I do believe him that he wanted to be a Bruin this whole like great along this whole time in that I think he really was pretty hands-off in the negotiations. Um, He was asked uh, if like, did you try to get the ball rolling recently the past week? And um, either Neely or Sweeney said that over the last three weeks, things had really started to, to come closer together and they were ready to do a deal. But Pasenak, I think jokingly said, yeah, last night I, yeah. <laughs> I, I said, let's just get this done. Um, yeah. He, guys- was, he was asked like, you know, at, at any point did you go to JP Barry's agent and just say like, Hey, let's just get this done. And yeah. Pasenak was like, yeah, yesterday. <laughs> yeah. It's like, let's get this done. But the timing of it is interesting because it comes after this really good trade deadline. And like, it does. It comes after a point in time where Don Sweeney would have been gaining trust with players um, that were questioning the future. That he could, um, you know, lead them in the right direction, make the right moves, and put together a good team no matter what. Do you think that the timing? Just thoughts on the timing. Brian, did, I don't know if you had anything on that, but I, I mean, I feel like deals a lot of deals tend to come together right before the trade deadline, just because teams want that certainty. They don't want to go, you know, down the stretch of the regular season into the playoffs, have it linger. Like the closer someone gets to free agency, the, you know, the more you have to like think about that possibility that they're going to actually test it and go to the open market. And, And Sweeney even kind of touched on that saying like, you know, we always thought we were moving in the right direction. We were always pretty confident that it was going to get done. But the longer it drags on, like, you have to wonder. Like, you have to take everything into account and weigh every option. Um, so, you know, like, you saw it with Dylan Larkin in Detroit that I mentioned. Like, you do see it, you know, where teams kind of get to the deadline and they just want to know. They just want that certainty. So they make that last push and then get it across the finish line. And I think that's what happened here. I I don't know that it's really all that related to the trades. Like, I think they were probably getting here regardless of whether Sweeney makes two good trades or not. Uh, It kind of sounds like they were close together the whole year that it could have happened at any point. Yeah. Um, But sorry, continue. No, that, that, that was pretty much it. Like, I, I think it was getting done really regardless of anything else, like if anything, you know, I think getting this done maybe allows Sweeney to go more all in, in the sense that like, you know, if there had been discussions about like, Hey, what does the future look like type thing? You know, does that in any way make him hesitant to give up first round picks for rentals? Whereas I think the fact that they were getting closer and it was going to get done is just like one less thing he has to worry about where, where it's like, Okay, I don't have to worry about like, does David Passa not care about future draft picks? Which I don't really think he does. But if like that's anywhere in his mind at all, um, the fact that they're getting close obviously just removes that. I think he just I don't I think he doesn't worry himself with that kind of thing. He just does, like goes out there and plays hockey, is is what it seems like. I, I feel like if if if, if Pasternak waited until the off season. Uh, I feel like that would have been best for him as far as getting the 
the best price, whether it was from Boston or somebody else. But if his if his main goal was to stay in Boston and, and kind of make sure that the team were to stay competitive while he stays in Boston, I feel like that's why he may have done they may have done a deal now because now if that's what he values, it gives Don the opportunity to know what David's number is going forward and allocate the cap accordingly. And it's no, it's not, a, it's not a mystery going like now, now Don knows ahead of the off season, what his, what his, what his roster looks like and maybe what guys he is willing to part with and maybe identify certain guys that he might be able to afford to bring in to kind of keep that team competitive, which David cares about. So I feel like, Allowing the Bruins to know what what Pasternak's number is now helps them build the roster going forward, as opposed to delaying that three or four months. And I think maybe that played into it as well. Um, so that's something I thought of as well. Two things. Um, I think also I know cap is going to be the issue, really. If we're if we're worried about next season, like cap is going to be the, the the main issue. But something good about having Pasternak signed and locked in for as long as he is as well as that good players attract good players. Like you're trying to sign free agents and they want to come to a team that has good players and why not want to play on a team with all these guys, including Pasternak that the Bruins already have locked up. And I know I said two things, but I forget what the other thing was. So, <laughs> Yeah. I mean, so a couple other things like just worth noting, I guess, uh, what Brian said about, you know, now it allows because the front office, like their trade deadline work ends Friday at 3 p.m. But it's not like those guys just, you know, sit back and kick their feet up for the rest of the season because, hey, we've done our job. No, like they immediately now turn their attention to offseason stuff and planning all that. So, yeah, like having that locked in does help because now they can, you know, really focus on that. And then second thing as far as the cap goes is putting hall in long-term IR also kind of blows up any plan they might've had to like um, reduce some of the overage money bonuses for Bergeron and Krejci. Um, It's now much more likely that those are going to carry over to next season, uh, which, you know, just kind of puts them even further behind the eight ball. But again, an off season issue that, yeah, you're just going to have to deal with when it gets here. Knowing that that Sweeney is uh, he, he's typically um, not a rental kind of guy at the deadline, and but at the same time understanding the the tightness of the cap that the Bruins are up against going into next year, like you just kind of brought up, Scott, even with you know bonuses and whatnot. Like, do you think that Sweeney views um, Orloff and or Bertuzzi as rentals, or do you think he's going to try to? stick with his philosophy maybe try to get those guys so, I, I mean Bertuzzi's probably due for a good payday um I'm not sure where Orloff is probably worth in the market but um what do you what do you think about that yeah I, I think probably with all three guys that they'll at least have initial conversations and if things go well there will be interest but yeah it's definitely going to just be a price thing because uh you know, the Capitals wanted to extend Orlov and weren't able to. And it sounds like maybe length of the deal was the issue there. They, you know, he wanted like another kind of longer term deal and Capitals didn't want to pay him into his late thirties. Um, so, you know, would a longer term deal get him to sign for a little less per year? Like maybe that's, if the Bruins are willing to do that, maybe that's a way to make that work. Um, Bertuzzi, like you said, like he's also due for a pretty good payday. Um, Do you think you could get a little bit of a discount on him just because of the injuries this year and the numbers being a little bit lower, like or being well, lower than what they were in the past? Or do you think he's going to have teams offering him more just based off of the previous seasons? Yeah, well, I, if I'm Tyler Bertuzzi, first off, there's no way in hell I'm signing right now because the Bruins are going to come at me with the – like if they're talking at all right now, the Bruins would use in negotiations, like the injuries and the down season against them. Uh, so Tyler Bertuzzi is going to bet on himself to finish strong, have a good playoffs, hopefully win a Stanley cup and then cash in because this 
if he does that, this will probably be the biggest payday of his career. So, um, you know, I don't know who his agent is, but I'm assuming that's going to be the advice is like, we're going to play this out, get to the market and, and get paid. Um, so my, I feel like he's probably the least likely to, to resign, but that's kind of just a gut feeling. Like, I don't have any real insight on that. I think it's an educated, you know, analysis of, of where they're at in terms of what they need and, and who they can bring back with such limited cap space. <laughs> um, so like that's, it's just educated at this point. Um, but uh, do you guys want to switch topics a little bit? Um, it's, a, it's in the same vein because we're, we're talking about Orlov, but um, just to get into where he is uh with the Bruins, his protection, his production with the Bruins has been just way more than what you would have thought offensively. He was brought in as, you know, he's a good defense and we knew that, but like all of a sudden his production is, is through the roof. He had three goals in 43 games with the, the Capitals. He has the same amount of goals uh, in four games for the Bruins and seven points. And um, so I want to talk about the rotation that he's been in. Um, some, some things that he said after the game about playing with all sorts of different guys, um, and just his performances, what he's been able to do on the ice. Yeah. So I, I, on the ice, first off, just incredible, like above and beyond what anyone could have expected. Um, you know, and he said like, he's had some good offensive stretches in the past. It's not like he doesn't have offense in his game, but yeah, I think coming here, like, I think they've allowed him to play a little bit more free um, and he's taken advantage of that. And I also think kind of playing without a ton of pressure yet where it's like, yeah, he's a new guy. Just, just go out and play. You know, we're not drilling down on every little detail or, you know, every little thing that you have to do in every situation, you know, we're going to add that over time. It's going to be a little bit of time, not all at once. Uh, I think that's probably helped him. Um, you know, he scores on, on a four and three power play on a one timer. He's gotten a little bit more power play time. Capitals basically didn't use him on the power play. Um, cause I had asked him about that, that the Bruins have put him in that right elbow spot on the second power play unit. And he said like, he played that, that a little bit in the past. Uh, but like a long time ago, like most recently the Capitals just haven't used him on their power play. So that's another new opportunity for him. Um, yeah, as far as like the sy- system stuff or like the different pairings, you know, he said he, like, yeah, obviously it's weird playing with like four different partners, four different nights, but he feels like he's getting more comfortable, especially just within the system. And that's probably the key. Like, I think all the Bruins defensemen play mostly the same way. Obviously they all have different skill sets and different guys can do different things, but for the most part, like knowing, you know, when to get up ice is the weak side D that's kind of the same across all their pairings. So I think he's getting more comfortable with some of that. And that kind of helps with, you know, wherever they put them, whichever pairing, whichever side, at least having that foundation helps. Yeah. And Montgomery kind of joked about it. Cause he was like, yeah, we're gonna keep moving him around because it just it it keeps working and and it and it, it, I think he's having fun like trying him out near different players today. He was paired with Carlo, um, but Montgomery even said he's probably on the team like top three in terms of one timers. It was a beautiful goal, really, on the power play, and it's a different look for the Bruins as well to go two D, especially in a four on three. I wouldn't have thought they were gonna do that, but they go. Lindholm and Orloff and Lindholm ends up setting that up. Um, so a little bit different. I think that Montgomery's having fun moving things around and manipulating the roster the way that he's been able to. Um, and just Orlov, or I should say Hathaway talked about Orlov in Washington. And I, cause I asked Hathaway the, a question about, does this system free him up to be more offensive? And he said, I've seen him do this before. Like this isn't, new for him necessarily it's maybe new for Bruins fans to watch it and see it because it's a little bit different than they expected but um Orlov has that offensive side to his game and the 
the pairs he's been with and just being with the Bruins has let him show it right away. Yeah, I mean, it's crazy to think about this blue line. Like last year to start the season, their their top pair was McAvoy and Forbert. And, you know, you go down the list, it was Carlo and Grizzlick and Clifton and Zaborl or Clifton and Jeremy Lozon. Like to 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 think that now they have three top pair caliber defensemen in their top six is just it's an embarrassment of riches. Like to have Charlie McAvoy, Hampus Lindholm, Dmitry Orlov, Brendan Carlo, like it's Grizzly, Clifton, like Forbert, your eight, whatever. It's just go down a list. It's an, it's, it's like it's like a Scott mentioned last episode, like the like the late nineties, like early two thousands Western Conference teams. It's like this is just like there. This is this is the best on paper. This is the best Bruins team when healthy going into the playoffs I've ever seen in my lifetime. Like, it, bar none. And not, and that includes the cup-winning team in 2011. It includes the cup finalist teams in 13 and 19. Like, on paper, going into the playoff season, this is the best team on paper I've ever seen in my lifetime for the Bruins. It's ridiculous. Um, and Orloff is a big part of that as well. Again, like, the Bruins already had an embarrassment of riches. They already had two number one guys. Not, most teams, most playoff teams don't have two number one guys like, like Lindholm and McAvoy. The Bruins had that already, and now they go out and have a third. It's like – now, not all are created equally. I'm not saying that Orloff and McAvoy are the same level, but I'm just saying, like, they're three top pair caliber guys. Like, most teams don't – most teams, you know, they're lucky to have it's, – it's, it's crazy. It really is insane. I mean, like, you think Tampa Bay, like, Hedman, McDonough, and Sergachev. That was pretty damn good. That was pretty damn good. McAvoy, Lindholm, and Orlov rivals that every every day of the week, um, and that's just on the back end. And and the other three, four guys in the back end are also very good at what they do. Um, Orlov has been very good, and and it's not easy to to be in Washington to travel out west, um, not have a practice. You fly back to Boston, like where are they staying right now? Hotels right the, now. The Omni, like honestly. Yeah. And they have rental cars. Like, they don't have their cars. Their family's not here. They don't have apartments yet. Yeah, it's not easy living. And different deep pairs and, every night, like you said. So it's it's very impressive what he's done in the first his first four games. Five games. Four, four. games as a Bruin. Yeah, it's really, really impressive. Yeah, a, f- a few things off of that. Um, something that stuck out to me this morning from Cam Neely's press conference was that the Bruins and Sweeney have such a – crazy deadline, such great depth. Like you just mentioned, that is better than I can remember either. But someone asked him, what about the other moves that were made by other teams? And he said, I've never seen anything like this deadline, the way that pretty much every contender in the East is doing this much and go, everybody's going all in. It seems like, so he was to him who, and he's been around the game a long time to say that, he cannot remember a deadline that's gone this way where so much firepower has been added to the East as something to me. Yeah. And it, it is insane. Like, it, you know, it, Thursday, the, the Bruins are the big, it seems like there's a big move every day. And I wouldn't be surprised if there's at least one, maybe two more on Friday, but yeah, the Bruins are the big move on, on Thursday though. Like, Bertuzzi that was you know that was kind of like at first you know the initial reactions to it on Twitter were like how how is this even possible like how do they even fit him in and then you find out the Hall and Felino injuries are a little more serious and it's like oh okay well that's why but even still you know I think looking ahead though like Bertuzzi for Hall obviously you want to get Hall back at some point but like that's a pretty good swap, and then it's you know just figure out your fourth line, figure out um, you know who can play for Felino is probably going to be more Greer getting ice time, and you know I think like like Greer's fairly limited in what he does, but I think he's fine. Um, I still don't. I would not rule out the Bruins doing something else on Friday. I don't think they will. Um, Luch. 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 No. 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 we've added a lot of guys with edge, so I mean, yeah, that's that's um, the theme this deadline. Everybody's got a little edge to their game, 
Yeah. Yeah. Obviously the big one everyone's going to be watching is Carolina. Like Carolina still has space to do stuff. Um, everyone else I, I feel like is probably set, but I guess you just never know with the way this past two weeks have gone. Um, but yeah, it's, it's tough. We, we've talked about it. Like it's just an absolutely stacked conference. Um, Passion, drive, and patience. What brings home the winning trophy is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance from superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has got you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to turn your car into the MVP and bring home that win. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. Since we're, but since we are talking about, you know, maybe replacing like the injured guys or whatever, Jacob Lauko gets called up and scores two goals and plays a really good game. Like, you know, I think I saw, I think it was Mark Diver that tweeted it. Like, for these guys getting called up from the AHL, like, big, huge part of it is taking advantage of your opportunities, right? And how many times did we say this about like Jack Stanika getting an opportunity? And it's like, well, oh, well, it was only like a game or two, but you know, maybe if he got 10 games, it's like, well, you might only get a game or two. And Jacob Lago, to his credit, now he's probably going to get a couple more games, especially uh, if Martian misses a game or two, but gets called up and clearly takes advantage of it, just plays a great game. And it's like, oh, yeah, that's a guy who can probably play on the fourth line and like you'll be just fine, you know? Uh, Mark McLaughlin's still down there as an option. Like they, if it's just you know one AHL guy that they have to call up and plug in on the fourth line, especially Lauko with the way he's played this year, like I actually think that's fine. Like I think you can get by with that. You're not going to be playing your fourth line 12, 13 minutes in the playoffs anyway. So you know, can he give you six, seven good minutes? Yeah, I, I think he can. I don't want to ask either of you two to play doctor or fortune teller, but I'm just going to ask you a quick yes or no question. And whoever wants to go first, go for it. But yes or no, do we see Nick Foligno and Taylor Hall again this year? Gut, gut, it, gut, gut reaction here. Scott, I know Fel- Scott. Foligno, yes. Uh, I'm going to say yes for Hall too, but I'm, I'm more worried about that. I don't, I don't know. I don't feel great about Hall. Felino, yeah. yes. I feel like the fact that they put him on regular IR and not long-term, I don't know, maybe tells us something, maybe not, but I, I kind of feel like we do at least see him. I'm hoping the Hall stuff is gamesmanship. And I lean towards him coming back before the end of the season, meaning like in the playoffs, just because – if the Bruins go as long as they're expected to, we're talking about he could return in May or June. It gives him a longer time if the Bruins are still playing at that time um, to, to factor into the lineup, I'm sure. And I, I feel bad for players that are on a team that like they feel so... First of all, he's been just part of the team the whole year on a team that could win the Stanley Cup and all of a sudden to wonder whether or not you're actually going to be on the ice in that moment has to really, um, you know, it has to be a crappy feeling. Um, I hope that the long-term IR and what they're saying about it is a little bit of covering up the fact that they needed the cap space. Um, I am more positive on this than Scott. I think Scott was <laughs> when we were talking at the game was like, I don't know if we see him before the end of the year. I want to say that because there's, hopefully for him and the Bruins so much time left in their season, which should be extended. Um, they hope that it gives them time to come back maybe by the time of the, the finals. Yeah, that, that's a good point, Bridget. Like they're going to go, if they're going to go with where they want to go, you're talking 
three months from now, right, that they'd be in the cup finals. Now, look, I, I feel like if if they don't need surgery and, and the surgery doesn't, you know, come with its recovery time where it's objective and you have to be out a certain amount of time, I mean, they're hockey guys. They're going to they're, they're gonna shoot themselves up. <laughs> they're going to put the needle in the ass. And they're gonna, they'll be out there for playoffs. So I think they'll be fine. Um, I, I just don't know when that'll be, but like, yeah, 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 yeah. Scott. I mean, that's another part of it too, is like, all right, maybe they come back, but how far away from a hundred percent are they, you know, are they out there just battling and like clearly not themselves? I mean, we know, you know, Hall was already having like some down stretches where he wasn't as productive. Does he come back? And if his speeds sapped, he's even less effective, you know, if Felino is dealing with something that he where he can't maybe be as physical or he loses some of the speed we've seen from him this year like does he turn into more of last year Felino? like those all of that is like on the table and also has to be considered is you know yeah you want to get these guys back for playoffs but are are you rushing to get them back at 65% and you know now they're maybe hurting more than like having a fully healthy AJ Greer on the fourth line or, or whatever. There is a silver lining to the timing of all of this though, because you, it happened right before the deadline. So obviously the Bruins have a better idea than, than, you know, the information that we have, how long these guys are going to be out. So the silver lining is you go, okay, well now we know we should add, someone because we're now down two and we're dealing with the attrition already the the depth that we question you know just how many layers the Bruins would need to add in order to keep a formidable lineup out there every night so um the silver lining is the timing that they're able to add Bertuzzi um into the mix well another silver lining too is like Nobody's healthy when the playoffs begin. Uh, you know, you have guys that are healthier than others, but these guys have been playing hockey for, what, six months by the time the playoffs rolls around, five, five and a half months. Like, everybody's nicked up. Um, I think especially, you know, maybe the first round, guys, some guys are feeling pretty good. But if you're in a second round or the third round, certainly the fourth round of the playoffs, like, everybody's battling a lot believe me and you guys know that as well as I do so I, I it, if they can if they can suit up in the playoffs I you know they'll be with along with everybody else dealing with something um but Scott you made a good point earlier about how Bertuzzi you you won't really skip a beat uh because you're essentially just replacing Taylor Hall with with Tyler Bertuzzi and they're much different players I understand that but yeah, I'm excited to see what this kid can do for the Bruins. He's 28 years old. He's in his prime. It's, it, he's going to fit right in. Boston's going to love him. He's got he's got no teeth. He's got the long hair. He looks like he's straight out of slap shot. I feel like that Taylor Hall and Tyler Bertuzzi have the absolute opposite personalities. <laughs> Taylor Hall is like very like calm and like gives very concise and well thought out answers. We have yet to talk to. Bertuzzi yet obviously but I feel like their demeanors are so far from each other um I think Bertuzzi will fit well in Boston but I have seen tweets of people you know still questioning like some of the politics that he's was caught up in over the past few seasons during the pandemic so some people remember that in Boston it can be kind of something that fans get hung up on um the the no vaccination and whatnot obviously Canada is lifted that requirement but that was something he struggled with in the past was not being able to travel um and play games in Canada at the detriment of of the team so um, that is something in his past uh, some fans I'm sure will kind of just keep that in their in their memory yeah Yeah, well well Canada's Canada's gonna bring back the vaccination requirement just in time for a Bruins Maple Leaf second round series don't do it Justin Trudeau don't (laughs) do it well, then maybe Taylor Hall is good to go for the second round. No harm, no foul. Um, yeah. Um, so we haven't we haven't discussed the game tonight. As we mentioned off the top, they beat the Sabres seven to one. Crazy I ending. Mean, 
Crazy, yeah, a lot of goals at the end. A couple empty netters. Scott, Scott, I was looking for a Swayman goal. It was right there. I <laughs> wanted him to take the shot at the very least. Almost. Scott, Scott did mention Lauko's two goals. Um, were there any any storylines to take away from this game besides besides uh, Lauko and just you know a strong overall game? Two things for me, quick. Um, Forbert out of the rotation, so we see a different guy every night coming coming in and out. Um, and Orlov staying in and, and rotating uh, defensively. And Jeremy Swayman had another great game. Shutout got ruined late. You know, it, it ended up going away in the third before it, it ended up being 4-1. That made it 4-1. And then all of a sudden, next thing you know, it's 7-1. Um, all of the goals that were scored at the end there were kind of just like Buffalo already had the the bus running and they were ready to fucking get out of there. And, and the, the game was over. But um, Swayman in the first two periods, um, made a lot of really good stops, almost got the shutout. Yeah. The, the end was like, uh, someone, uh, in the press room asked, and I don't think anyone did the research and I'm, I don't care enough to do it, but like, wonder when the last time a team scored two empty net goals and then two more goals after that, not empty net, like it's weird, but yeah, as far as other takeaways, um, and two of them were shorthanded. <laughs> Yeah. Um, I don't really have a ton. I think we already touched on some of them, you know, Orlov, where they used him on the power play, his game, um, the Marchand injury. Obviously, that led to some some rotation with the lines. Um, Zaka yeah, keeps playing well. I, yeah. That check line. And, I mean, that that's, that's another thing, too, right, with Taylor Hall out of the lineup that there's no – there's no question now those checks are going to be staying staying together, I think, for uh, right till the end, I think, especially with DeBrus back in, barring any other injuries. So, I mean, that, I guess that's maybe another silver line, just let them keep building that 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 countryman chemistry that they've had all year. Um, and that's the only line that's healthy right now. Like, if you think about – well, if, you, if Marshawn's out, like, you lose a guy on the – First line with Marshawn, you lose Taylor Hall on the third line and Felino on the fourth line. So that, that check line remains intact and is healthy as of right now. That is true. So we'll see them next in uh, action on Saturday at 1, 1 p.m. I think we'll probably see Tyler Bertuzzi in the lineup. Uh, hopefully Marshawn is good to go, but maybe he was not. Supposed to, it was reported he was supposed to come tonight too. To Boston. Yeah, so he was flying to Boston. Yeah, yeah, he was flying in Thursday night. So, yeah, he'll be in there Saturday. Uh, I think, like, now, I guess maybe if Martian misses the game, it puts a little bit of a damper on it. But I'm as excited for Saturday's game as I think I've been for a game in a while. Guys, uh, I can't even go. Got, got Patrick Kane and, and mm-hmm. Tarasenko and the Rangers coming in like that. You know, I, I, I was trying to think about this, and I guess I'll wait to see, like, where whatever happens Friday. But, you know, I was thinking about, like, where, how I would rank the Eastern Conference, and I don't think I would have the Rangers number two. Like, they, I said on the last podcast they made the flashiest moves, but, you know, I still do have some questions about that team. But just from, like, the kind of showcase perspective and – the national intention with it being an ABC game like that's, you know, you get after the deadline, you know, these are the teams like that. That could be a lot of fun. Who's your number two, Carolina? I don't know. Well, I got to see what they do. Um, mm-hmm. Would it be Toronto? It, it might be Toronto. I don't know. We, we talked about in the last podcast. I did really like the deadline they had. So um I can't wait for the dust to settle tomorrow too and just see exactly how like who else comes over to the Eastern Conference cuz like Patrick Kane is in the Eastern Conference now. Like that's weird. <laughs> it's just weird. It's- I I just don't understand like what Carolina is doing like like they've been sitting on the toilet so long their legs are going to be numb when they stand back up. Like I just don't know what they're doing. Like, like you have $10 million and, and nobody worth me- grabbing is out there still, unless it's just somebody we just can't really see. Like, I don't, I like, didn't know, but like this, was not, uh, like, none of the guys at Bruins added, do, I think people thought were there. Does Carolina pry like JT Miller from like Vancouver? Like, I like, I, like, I think he has a no move, like no, 
movement clause. Like, like who, like who's even out there that they can grab? I don't even know. Like, but Carolina's sitting there, and like on paper, they just went from the second best team in the conference, potentially the best, to like on paper, they're like the fourth or fifth best team right now. Like their record says otherwise, but I mean, Christ, they got to do some work, or or they're again, they just seem like. They like they're on their little high horse down there in a southern hospitality state, like just doing storm surges and just like I don't know what they think they're doing, but like they have they're not their their forward group is not a cup winning team. I don't know what they're thinking. Well, you know yeah, the, I, the, the line will be too when it when or if they don't do anything, the line is always we're confident in the group we have. Okay. So yeah, again, and it, it's what I'm. They kind of have that reputation around the league of they have to win every deal, like. Danny Ainge used to have this reputation with the Celtics and it's like, all right, like, you know, yeah, you're, you're going to win some deals then, but like, are you too slow to pull the trigger on other stuff? Look at, look at the deals the Bruins made and how quickly they came together. Like Washington starts to think about selling. And two days later, the Bruins have Orlov and Hathaway. Felino and Hall get hurt on this road trip and like, what 24 hours after the Bruins land back on the East coast, they have Tyler Bertuzzi. It's like, that's it's because Don Sweeney isn't sitting there haggling with these other GMs for 72 hours or a week and going back and forth. And well, all right, well, this is my offer. You know, come back to me if you think you have something better and, you know, and then keep running around in circles. No, he identified guys he wanted to acquire and got them and didn't worry about, uh, you know, are we, we'd rather give a, can we give up a fifth round pick instead of a fourth? Uh, you know, would you take this prospect instead of a first round? Like, no, just, he just got the deal done. And that's kind of, that's what Toronto did. Like, that's what you have to do. If you're really going for it, you can't just drag your feet and wait for the perfect deal. And, you know, we'll see. Carolina still has Friday to go. So we'll see what they I- do, but. By the way, Chikrin also came to the Eastern Conference. Like, yeah, Chikrin went to Ottawa, and, and Ottawa's a bubble playoff team right now. They beat the Rangers and, and already got hurt. I saw Thursday night he got hurt. I don't know if it's serious or not, but oh, did he? Jesus, yeah. yeah well, the uh, the Senders they they beat the revamped Rangers at at Madison Square Garden tonight five three. So to Scott's point, they might be flashy, but they got some. They got some more to do, I think, uh, on both sides of the puck, but we'll see them Saturday, so that'll be a good showdown. Biggest, biggest trade move, though, so far this deadline, Jonathan Quick. <laughs> Columbus' yeah. best move of all time. Uh, I, I need that Vegas-LA Kings series so bad. That absolutely <laughs> has to happen. That's an interesting one because, like, the Kings are they're having a solid year. Like, they're ready for, you know, they're expecting a good playoff run, and you just get rid of a – locker room guy like that i don't know if you guys saw drew dowdy and anze kopitar's press conference but they just weren't they literally were very transparent in saying they were not happy about it it's like is it really worth moving jonathan quick that the, the deadline like to mess with i don't know like i don't know it's not my yeah, team i don't it's, give a it's shit crazy. it's like objectively they did get better like Yunus corpusal is a better goalie than jonathan quick at this point and they needed goaltending help if they're going to do anything like Phoenix Copley isn't the answer. He's had some solid games, but so it's like object. Like I get why they made the trade. You know, I I do think they upgraded, but man, to your like, yeah, that's that's tough though when it's a franchise legend. Like you do wonder, yeah. especially especially because like I don't really see the Kings making a cup run this year, and even if they like Corpusal is better than Quick right now, but he's not like a superstar either so it's like was was it really worth it like was it really worth you know the locker room damage to upgrade by what like i don't know maybe get 12 percent better in that or something like yeah and you're trading away a guy who won a stanley cup and then he gets bounced around he goes to yeah he gets bounced around he goes to columbus and i was dying laughing at some of the some of the photoshop work that was done today about like jonathan quick being a columbus legend and uh somebody photoshopped his number getting put up in the rafters in columbus (laughs) and they also photoshopped a columbus jersey on him photoshopped out the cup and wrote like thanks for the memories or something i I like when 
I get a kick out of it too when teams like when teams acquire a draft pick from somebody and then turn that draft pick around for something else, and then they send out the thank you tweet to the to the draft pick that they, the future draft pick they never use. That's pretty funny too, like a conditional pick or something. But um, by the way, we, yeah. we're also haven't yet mentioned uh, Bridges' favorite player got traded. Oh, Bjork. <laughs> Anders Bjork, Buffalo to Chicago. Here's another Jackson Nika here. Like he, he, it was hard to tell whether or not he was going to be good somewhere else. He had, just he, like wasn't a fit here, but he wasn't good in his opportunities with Buffalo. No. And Brian had a really funny tweet uh, about Bjork today. <laughs> Brian, what what what, what uh, was your clever tweet? Ah, uh, Blackhawks go from tanking to contending or something like that. <laughs> yeah. But, um, I mean, Bjork had way more opportunity here than Sanika did. Yeah. Um, I mean, to be fair, but I don't know. I'm not sure what – I mean, the fact that he couldn't take advantage of being in a, a bad team in Buffalo kind of – that speaks volumes. He probably should have taken advantage of that opportunity, but whatever. Hey, it sounds like he'll get more in Chicago because they are in full rebuild. So. True, unless they just send him straight to Rockford where he's playing for the Ice Hogs in the second power play unit. But, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> we'll see what happens with, 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 with Bjorky. All right, guys, uh, about an hour in. You have anything else? Mm-mm. No, I'll get okay. All right. Thank you all for listening. Enjoy the Bruins Rangers on Saturday. We'll talk soon.